It is a Friday edition of Midday here on KRVN, and uh, we are off and rolling. It's sunny here in the Lexington area, but some uh, parts of our region have had some interesting weather. We'll get in on that with uh, Susan Littlefield coming up in just a little bit. Bob Rogan is here, albeit just barely slid in just in time. Jason, you will hear from Jason Jorgensen. Also, all of that coming up on Midday, and uh, we'll figure out uh, what's going to Happen for us in agriculture, obviously very busy, and we'll hear from Al Dutcher. All that coming up soon, and Susan Littlefield slides in here, too, and says you've had a busy morning in some icy conditions there in the Surprise Metro area. It was absolutely crazy. We had some really serious fog move in late last night. Made for beautiful trees this morning, Mm. but unfortunately, about 5.30, quarter to 6, it poured. And there was a big stretch of Highway 92, which is very well-traveled, that turned into a hockey rink. Oh, my. Oh, my. Which meant vehicles did some dancing for us this morning. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. And there weren't any pucks around to to make it fun either, for sure. No. No pucks, but knock on wood, no real injuries. So that's, that's the good thing. That's good. Gee whiz. All right. Well, what do you got for us today? Well, the sun is now shining here, which is good. We'll get more weather updates coming up with Al Dutcher here at 1219. Then uh, Shaylee Peters will step back in at 1245. She's going to be talking to National Affairs Director for the Nebraska Farm Bureau, Jordan Dukes, as he looks at the Ag Libra Bill that was just passed in the House. So we'll get more details on that. And then at 117, Chavella Guzman talks about a hemp seed company kickoff in Nebraska. We'll get more details from her at 117. All right. Very good. Lots going on. Thank you very much, Susan. And uh, try to not slide anywhere for the rest yeah. of the day. Okay. No kidding. Have a great weekend. All right. Thank you. You too. Well, the United, the UNK volleyball team, uh, boy, they, they made it interesting as Gannon University from Erie, Pennsylvania took set number one. Looked pretty good doing it, but uh, they fought back. Jason is in the Mile High City. He's got more on all of that. We could say it is a big day for college volleyball in the state of Nebraska. Both the Huskers and Lopers will be involved as they reach deep into the NCAA tournament. Sweet 16 matchup this afternoon for Nebraska as the 6th ranked Huskers will take on 18th ranked Hawaii. A couple of national powers going at it today. That match in Madison, Wisconsin starts at 3.30. We will have it for you locally on Cami Country Legends. First match has Wisconsin against Texas A&M. They'll play at one. Tonight here in Denver, the Lopers, they're in the final four of the Division II tournament as they square off against Rockhurst. UNK is 37-0 on the year. Rockhurst, they're 33-7. One of their losses came earlier this year to UNK in four sets. Should be quite a match at Metro State. Tonight's match begins at 6. We will bring it to you on 93.1 the River and on the River app. Husker men, they begin Big Ten action tonight against Indiana. That one starts at 7. And the UNK men get an interesting game. Exhibition matchup tonight. They'll be in Brookings, South Dakota to take on South Dakota State. So all of that and much more is coming up in sports. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate it. We'll turn over to Bob quickly for markets. Stock indexes mixed in morning trading on Wall Street, and after months of waiting, reaction is muted to news that the U.S. and China may have reached an initial deal on trade. Those stories and more are coming up. That's all coming up on Midday. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network as we're joined with... 
You see her. She's putting up hay, pulling calves, or helping lead within organizations. She's a woman involved in agriculture, and we want to recognize her. Now through December 31st, the Rural Radio Network is taking nominations for your favorite women in agriculture to feature throughout the month of January. Help share the impact these women have had on you and your community by sending us her story. You can find more information on how to nominate at krvn.com. Time for us to check in on our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. Paul Perkins in here with us today on a nice, mild Friday. Exactly. Uh, it's not really Friday the 13th weather right now. We're well, kind of lucky for December yeah, weather. A little concerned. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, as, as they had some slick conditions, as Susan alluded to, in eastern Nebraska this morning, a little bit of an icy mix moving through eastern areas of Nebraska, causing for some slick conditions as temperatures were just below freezing. Many of us, though, had, did have a mild night last night with overnight lows in the upper 20s to low 30s, and that's about 10 degrees warmer than yeah. what we usually get for this time of year for morning lows. So not too bad for most of it. A little bit more precipitation expected into our weather but, yeah, as you mentioned, very mild on the temperatures right now. One of the things I noticed in the forecast is the wind for northeast Colorado and northern, northern Kansas. Yes, uh, on Oof. the backside of the system that will be moving through a cold front, uh, expecting some wind gusts up to about 40 to 50 miles per hour towards northeast Colorado and northwest Kansas a little bit later on today. Uh, those winds will pick up as the day goes on in many of our locations, especially through tonight, but then start to drop off as we head towards tomorrow. Right now, those temperatures in many of our locations in the low and mid-40s as you head towards western and southern areas of Nebraska. As you head towards about the Broken Bow to Grand Island area on into eastern Nebraska, those temperatures more so in the mid to upper 30s. But we are as warm as 42 currently in Ogallala, 43 in Imperial, right at 50 in northeast Colorado towards Holyoke and as warm as the mid and upper 40s on into northwestern areas of kansas also watching a little bit of light rain moving through west central nebraska that light rain mostly from about arthur to ogallala and north Platte to about the curtis area not all of it making it to the ground that is moving off towards the east and southeast also a little bit of light rain maybe some snow mixed in with it towards the nebraska panhandle from shadron down to about sydney on a very scattered basis there and that moisture will be gradually making its way towards the east and southeast just ahead of a cold front for today we will see increasing cloud cover as we start moving through the afternoon, but temperatures on the mild side ahead of that front, 10 degrees warmer than normal with that cold front's passage, some scattered light rain and snow possible later on this afternoon and evening, once again on a very scattered basis, not expecting a big event with this. More snow will be possible for tomorrow through Monday with some low pressure that tracks across the southern plains. The main brunt of the system well to our south, but we still could see some minor snow accumulations. Right now, expected snow accumulations from now through Monday expected to be less than an inch in Nebraska. Once again, less than an inch in Nebraska and about one to three inches over northern Kansas. With that increase in cloud cover over the weekend and some colder air being drawn south, temperatures will be as much as 10 to 15 degrees colder than normal. Better enjoy for today. That weather does start quieting down after Tuesday as the ridge of high pressure pushes that main storm track and colder air to our north. That warmer and drier pattern looks to continue in the long term. Warmer than normal temperatures are likely for Nebraska, Kansas, and the western two-thirds of the U.S. Wednesday through the day after Christmas. So 
Things looking up if you're doing some traveling for Christmas. Those temperatures look to be especially warmer than normal closer to Christmas for Nebraska and Kansas. But low normal precipitation, especially likely for Nebraska and Kansas, in the eastern two-thirds of the U.S., the mid to late part of next week, the forecast trending closer to near normal precipitation that week of Christmas. Key weather factors in the market include additional rain chances for central Brazil and varying weather in the Midwest during the weekend. Cold air will expand to cover the Midwest into the northern central plains. Weekend warmth will prevail across the deep south. Late in the weekend and early next week, precipitation will emerge from the west. That will result in rain in the southeast U.S. and a band of snow from the central Rockies and central plains into the northeast U.S. In the Midwest, mixed precipitation through the weekend in eastern and southern areas will hinder the late harvest. The pattern, though, does turn drier for the Midwest next week. Northern Plains will be very cold the next five days with no progress in the late corn harvest. Warmer and mainly dry weather 10 days from now will offer a chance for some harvest progress. In the central southern plains, a mix of rain and snow totaling up to about a quarter of an inch of melted precipitation is forecast this weekend. That moisture will add slightly to soil moisture supplies in the central and southern plains, while western areas will still have some dryness concerns. Across central and southern Brazil, moderate to heavy rain will continue and offer favorable moisture for developing soybeans. Northeast Brazil precipitation expected to be on the light side. So once again, Paula, we're, we're, the weather that we're looking at, it's not going to be a lot of fun the next couple of days, but we're not looking at anything major either. Exactly. Unless uh, things change dramatically, uh, expecting that main storm track to our south, and that will keep that uh, chance for any major accumulating still well to our south. Could see about one to three inches total between now and Monday over northern mm-hmm. Kansas. Looks like in southern Kansas, not expecting much precipitation, but to the north of I-70, about one to three inches of snow between now and and Monday, otherwise less than an inch in Nebraska. Well, you know, a good example with, with what Susan talked about of what this can happen this time of year, you know, just some fog rolling in uh-huh. and then with some rain, and, and uh, those conditions can deteriorate quickly. Exactly, yeah. They had a little bit of light precipitation move through, a light freezing mix, some light snow, maybe some moisture mixed in with that, and temperatures were just below freezing, about the mid to upper 20s in eastern areas and of course yeah those slick conditions kicking in wow it's really something all right thank you paul i appreciate it where do you go to check in on your weather weather tab krvn.com It's time again this week we get to visit with our Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist, Al Dutcher. And Al will talk about Christmas is not too far off. And we'll talk about here in just a little bit on whether or not we can expect a white Christmas. But first, let's get into this weekend and next week. Okay, Shaley. Well, before we get to that lovely white Christmas forecast... We do have a system that's going to be working its way through the state uh, over this next 24-hour period. Uh, right now, it, it looks like as this cold front drives through the state during the afternoon and overnight hours, we might see some slight snow development in northwestern Nebraska. The models really, at least from the GFS standpoint, really fall apart in terms of that precip making it into eastern Nebraska. I think if we're going to see accumulation, they'll, they'll be on the light side. Most locations would see less than an inch, if even a trace. And most of it is going to find, I think, up into portions of northwest and north-central Nebraska. And just as it weakens as it moves toward the southeast, that's going to allow 
much cooler air to come into our region, of course. So the brunt of any cold air that remains in place that will be probably confined more to eastern Nebraska for this weekend, we will stay cooler than normal, unfortunately, and we will deal with some winds. But more importantly, another little system starts to make its way through the central Rocky Mountains as we go into Sunday and starts ejecting that energy out into the plains. And the GFS model has been pretty consistent in terms of the placement of the precipitation. It basically is targeting north-central portions of Kansas as a primary recipient of accumulating snowfall. We may see that snowfall all the way up into the I-80 corridor, although there would be a lighter precipitation. But as you get to the bottom tier of counties from south-central to southeast Nebraska, I think that's the location that would have the best chance for accumulating snowfall of a couple inches. If there's a little shift toward the north, we may actually see a little bit more than that, pushing up to the four-inch range. Heaviest total still remain across north-central Kansas. That system will move rapidly toward the Great Lakes. And as it does so, of course, it's going to pull in another reinforcing shot of cool air into our region. So if we do get accumulating snowfall across southern Nebraska, that will temper somewhat the highs on Monday. But we will see the cold temperatures remain in place across the state on Monday and Tuesday before we start to see ridging take place and a warmer pattern developing across the central plains in response to a very large, significant upper air trough coming into the western United States. Things get a little bit more interesting as we get into the weekend as the first piece of energy ejects out of that southern, basically will eject out into the southern stream out of that trough coming into the western United States and move that energy to the south of Nebraska. So we will keep the warm air in place and it really doesn't tap the cold air until it gets well to our east of us. So it's going to pull that colder air down into the eastern United States and bypass the central plains. And it looks like very warm conditions all the way up to Christmas Eve. And then there's a little bit more uncertainty as a very strong, powerful, low-pressure system comes into the western United States. Now, for the past four days, the GFS has been advertising that system would come out sometime between Christmas Eve and the day after Christmas and impact the central plains. But all of a sudden, this model's run this morning is essentially saying the warm air returns back to us that system will remain south of us and cut off in the southwest and slowly drift toward the east during that period only to hook up with the Arctic air surging southward on the 26th and 27th and generate a very strong system moving up the eastern seaboard. Bottom line is there's a lot of uncertainty with this storm system. I think we'll have a better idea as we get into next Friday what is going to happen with this system. So at this point in time, the models say no white Christmas, but remind you that Three days ago, they were saying a very good chance of a white Christmas. So we're still up in the air. All right. Thanks so much. It's Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist Al Dutcher. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Time for us to check in on sports. Here's Jason. Hey, thanks, Scott. Well, the sixth-ranked Nebraska volleyball team continues in the NCAA tournament today. They're in Madison, Wisconsin for a regional semifinal match against 18th-ranked Hawaii. Head coach John Cook has this scouting report on today's matchup. It's normal Hawaii. They're, they're, uh, play, they have great serving, passing, ball control, defense, uh, and uh, they're running a 6-2, so they have a lot of hitters that can score, uh, and they've got two senior setters, very experienced, and one of them sometimes plays in the front row, so 
You have big hitters, small hitters, hitters that hit hard, hitters that move it around, so they give you a lot of looks. Now that Nebraska-Hawaii match will begin at 3.30. We will bring it to you on Kimmy Country Legends. The other regional semifinal has 5th-ranked Wisconsin taking on 25th-ranked Texas A&M. That one starts at 1. Today's winners will meet in the regional final tomorrow at 5. Once again, we will bring you today's game on Kemi Country Legends. The second-ranked UNK volleyball team recorded 14 blocks and picked up kills from eight different players to eventually outlast Gannon University in the Division II National Quarterfinals yesterday. UNK actually dropped the first set 25-19. to Seniors Mackenzie Puckett of Grand Island and Josie Cox of North Platte stepped up and made some big plays, and head coach Rick Squire says their efforts were huge. Yeah, I mean, I thought in the early going, Mackenzie got some block touches for us, and, you know, she's athletic and can do some things there. We were at least able to establish that we would set her. I think she got a kill or two. Um, at some point, it looked like we were really struggling in a couple of rotations, and so maybe thought uh, Josie would be another look, which she was, and she came in and made a few plays, and so, you know, it could very well be that, you know, both of those two will have to continue to be involved. The second-seeded Lopers, who are now 37-0, will face third-seeded 19th-ranked Rockhurst in the Final Four tonight at 6. Rockhurst, they swept Carson Newman yesterday. Now, earlier this year at the Health and Sports Center, UNK outlasted Rockhurst in four tough sets. Of course, we will bring you tonight's match on 93.1 The River and on the River app. Well, it was raining threes last night at the Health and Sports Center's UNK women's basketball team hit a school record 18 three-pointers and grabbed 65 rebounds and an easy 106-45 win over Central Christian. UNK is back in action tomorrow afternoon at 2 against Manhattan Christian. We will bring you the game on 93.1 The River. The Loper men are on the road tonight for an exhibition game against South Dakota State. That one begins at 7. The Husker men, they battle Indiana tonight as Big Ten portion of their season gets underway. The Huskers are just 4-5 and five on the year. Tip-off is set for 7. And last night, the UNK wrestling team, they took their duel against Shatter and State, winning that one 26-16. That's a check of sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. From Denver, I'm Jason Jorgensen. President Donald Trump reacted quickly after the House Judiciary Committee approved two articles of impeachment against him. Using the words he's embraced nearly every day for weeks, he called the proceedings a witch hunt, a scam, a hoax. The charges approved today now go to the full House for an expected vote next week. They were approved strictly along party lines, 23 Democrats to 17 Republicans. Trump is accused of abuse of power, a charge stemming from his July phone call pressuring the Ukrainian president to announce an investigation of Democrats as Trump was withholding U.S. aid. He's also accused of obstructing Congress's investigation. Nebraska's state-sponsored college savings plan is getting a new program manager and lower fees. State officials recently approved Nebraska-based Union Bank and Trust to manage the Nebraska Educational Savings Trust program. The program allows families to save money in tax-advantaged accounts for college or vocational training expenses. State Treasurer John Moranti says Union Bank and Trust proposal will make Nebraska's program one of the most competitive in the nation with substantially lower fees for account owners. The fees will vary, but the one charged by the Nebraska Education Savings Trust Direct Plan will be 68% lower. It's never too late to get started on winterization for your vehicle. Mike Janacek spoke with the Rural Radio Network about preparing your vehicle. 
probably the most important thing is a, is a really good maintenance program, which you should be performing year-round. Keep your oil changes up, your tune-ups and all that stuff, which you know, it helps keep your car ready for the winter, and then it makes it just a little bit easier and maybe more affordable when you start going into that winter. Yanacek also recommends keeping a winterization checklist compiled of checking engine fluid levels, testing your car's battery, using the icing washer fluid, and switching to synthetic oil, among other suggestions. Carbon monoxide poisoning is the apparent cause of death for a four-year-old Nebraska girl whose Kansas grandfather is charged with first-degree murder. The death of Brandy Funk testing found a carbon monoxide level more than six times above a lethal level in the girl's blood. Brandy of Beatrice, Nebraska, died in July. Court documents say Timothy Wayne Funk Sr. acknowledged he left a generator running in the garage of his Silver Lake, Kansas home with his door shut while watching the girl and another granddaughter. The other child survived. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder. The Ag Labor Bill has passed in the House. I'm Shaley Peters joining you now here on the Rural Radio Network. And today we're going to visit with Jordan Dukes. He is the Director of National Affairs with the Nebraska Farm Bureau. And Jordan, I wanted to talk to you and the Nebraska Farm Bureau specifically because um, this is a bill that has seen quite a bit of support, actually, in agriculture. But uh, the Farm Bureau still has some hang-ups with it. And that's what I wanted to visit with you today about Um Let's get, not only from a national perspective, but here on, on a local perspective, let's get a little bit of background first on the Ag Labor Bill, and then also have you talk about maybe what was passed through the House here recently. Yeah, well, thanks a lot. I appreciate the opportunity to talk. Um, you know, first and foremost, it, it is important to note that the need to address um, immigration and the needs of, of farmers and ranchers to have a reliable workforce is is out there and it is unbelievably important it's it's reached by beyond the critical stage um, and so whenever a piece of legislation comes up in Congress to try to address the labor needs of farmers and ranchers we are right there and trying to work with Congress as best as we can to fit in the policy priorities that our farmers and ranch members tell us that we need to have in any piece of legislation like that. Um, this bill uh, does a lot of good things. It takes and tackles a lot of issues that are out there um, in terms of trying to make sure we have a legal workforce in the United States that is, uh, you know, specifically targeted to agriculture. And so um, this bill uh, tries to address some of those things. But as you mentioned, uh, American Farm Bureau and Nebraska Farm Bureau, we still had some concerns. We're still willing to work with Congress to address some of these, but the House did pass it. Um, and uh, and we, we were not supportive of it at this time. And, and uh, we, you know, we're still ready to work on the Senate side of things to try to address some of the things that we'd like to see. So let's talk about some of those issues that uh, Farm Bureau has with the Ag Labor Bill, um, the House version of it. Um, kind of walk us through what your concerns are there. Um, it kind of centers in on, on four key areas and includes locking in the wage rates where they have it. Um, you know, we can get into that into detail, but in our opinion, I think it locks a, a pretty 
a higher wage weight, I think, than what, than what uh, you know, in terms of how this program works, the mandated wage rate for employees. There's some concern as to how that program will be implemented on that front. Um, we think that there are some, there's some litigation risks to our members in terms of uh, some lawsuit risks that are, that are out there for some of our folks, and we don't think it addresses uh, that properly. Um, the caps on the number of visas that will be granted um, is a concern for us. We, we, we are worried that the, that when you put caps in there, um, especially where they'll, this bill puts it, it, it probably won't meet the, the needs that, that agriculture has. And then last but not least, um, the bill implements an E-Verify program. And we're not opposed to E-Verify. We're not opposed to mandatory E-Verify. Uh, if we have a workable guest worker program that, uh, you know, addresses the needs of agriculture um, before we start going down the path of, of requiring folks to use the E-Verify program, which uh, really briefly just checks the employment status um, or, the, or the immigration status of employees in a little different way than what we currently do. It. Uh, it's not a mandatory program today uh, in the workforce, but this, this bill would make it there. And in our opinion, um, the rest of the, of the program is not good enough yet to get us to where mandatory E-Verify would be, would be something we support. Uh, there's a lot of ag organizations that look at this as a, as a, as a good first step. I wouldn't necessarily say that we are on the opposite side of that. I think there are some positive things to this bill, but there's still enough that needs to be changed in it that um, just did not get us to where we could support it at this time. So it's passed in the House now, and it'll go to the Senate. What does the timeline look like? I think most people, you know, it likely won't uh, do anything this year, and it is has been a very controversial bill. What does the timeline look like, do you think? What uh, are some of the discussions that will take place moving forward now? Yeah, um, you know, definitely won't, uh, most likely won't see this this year yet uh, over on the Senate side. And, and there's still a lot of questions as to what the Senate would come up with in a in a uh, in an election year, a presidential election year. Um, but obviously, as folks know, immigration is, is an issue that the president talks about an awful lot. Um, and the other, I think, other part of this, which would, makes the timeline complicated, is, of course, you've got uh, Democrats in charge of the House. Uh, this is, this is um, a largely Democratic bill. There were over 30, 34, I think, House members, Republican House members that supported it. Um, our congressional delegation did not. Uh, but uh, looking over on, on the Senate side of things, you know, this bill will look very, very different when the Senate tackles this issue again, if they decide to tackle it. Um, it will look different than the House bill. There's going to have to be an awful lot of work done to try to work out the differences between the two. Whenever you address the immigration issue, you have larger um, political concerns that are out there. And I know that there's an awful lot of folks that are active in this issue and, and you get active, you know, you get interest groups that are um, big on pushing words like amnesty and some of those things. Our priority for Farm Bureau has always been to come up with a guest worker program that works for farmers and ranchers. And while this bill gets us part of the way there, there just isn't enough in there from our standpoint to get us there. But I think we are not walking away from the table. We're willing to work with the Senate. We're still willing to work with House members as this thing moves forward, if it does move forward. But I think the timeline is going to be very, very difficult moving uh, into next year just because of the political headwinds that are pushing against it. It's Jordan Dooks, our guest today. He's the Director of National Affairs with the Nebraska Farm Bureau. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. (laughs) 
12.54, time for us to take a look at uh, business here on KRVN's midday program. And, uh, you know, it's interesting as we look at this, of course, we're, Bob's going to talk a little bit about with the first phase, supposedly, of the trade agreement with China and the United States affecting stocks. Not so much, really, but the rumor was working the Asian markets in the overnight, Japan and Hong Kong, both up heavily. Hong Kong up 703 points, the Nikkei in Japan up 613. In London, they didn't seem to care that Boris Johnson was re-elected. Uh, they were up 80, and the German DAX index up 61. Not a heck of a lot going on in the U.S. markets right now. 11 points up for the Dow Jones, and NASDAQ is up 19, and the Standard & Poor up 1. Bob? After months of waiting, the markets have had a muted reaction to news that the U.S. and China have reached an initial deal on trade. Stock indexes have been moving between small gains and losses. The agreement means that the U.S. won't impose new tariffs on Chinese goods that had been set to kick in this weekend. Tech companies are rising. Those companies rely heavily on China for sales as well as parts and have much to gain from a resolution of the long-running dispute. In the meantime, U.S. retail sales rose at a modest pace in November as the holiday shopping season appeared to have a slow start. What is that? They say when the going gets tough, the tough go shopping. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Okay. That's the co- is that kind of... Sure. Go, go, go with that. Go with that. Okay. okay. The Commerce Department says retail sales increased a seasonally adjusted two-tenths percent in November, down from four-tenths in the previous month. Officials from almost 200 countries are scrambling to reach an agreement at a United Nations climate meeting amid growing concerns that key issues may be postponed for another year. With the prospect of overtime looming, negotiators were poring over revised drafts aiming to reach a deal on international carbon markets and aid for poor countries affected by climate change. And Nebraska's economy will grow slowly is expected to grow slowly in the coming years, supported by the expansion of service industries. That's according to a report from the Bureau of Business Research. Growing personal income will support job growth in the healthcare, leisure, finance, business service, and construction industries, according to the latest three-year forecast from the University of Nebraska's Lincoln's Bureau of Business Research and the Nebraska Business Forecast Council, so that's uh, that's kind of what they're working on, and uh, you can they have a website at the uh, Bureau of Business Research uh, uh, location and their address. So that's what's going on. All right, thank you, Bob. Every forty seconds, someone in the U.S. has a stroke. Each year, more than one hundred and forty thousand people die, and many survivors face disability. 80% of strokes are preventable. High blood pressure is the most important treatable risk factor for stroke. Preventing, diagnosing, and controlling blood pressure through lifestyle changes and medicine is critical to reduce death and disability. Other risk factors that can be controlled include high cholesterol, obesity, diabetes, and smoking. Recognize the signs of stroke with FAST and get help immediately. FAST stands for face. Ask the person to smile. Does one side droop? Arms. Ask the person to raise both arms. Does one drift downward? Speech. Ask the person to repeat a simple sentence. Are the words slurred? And time. 
If the person shows any of these symptoms, call 911 right away. To learn more, visit cdc.gov slash vital signs. A new business, Western Farm Seed in Scotts Bluff, is looking to fill a gap in the hemp industry with producing seed for growers. With the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chabella Guzman. Hemp seed production is vital as growers get ready to ramp up production. The question is, is there enough feminized hemp seed and clones to go around? Western Farm Seed is owned by cousins P.J. Hain, Mike Hain, their uncles Ed and Art Hain, and business partner Mark Johnson. P.J. Hain, president of the company, says Mike received one of the 10 permits the Nebraska Department of Ag gave out in 2019 to grow hemp. He grew an acre of hemp outside of Mitchell. P.J. says the company has taken those plants and is now working with three varieties. The current varieties are Wife, uh, Franklin, and Montana. We also have T1s. And we will crossbreed those and make a uh, new varieties from those. Uh, because of their history and production levels uh, and success that growers have had with them, they've been proven out in the field the last, last couple seasons. So, Feminized seeds are bred explicitly in a way that eliminates the male chromosomes, drastically decreasing the chances of producing a male marijuana plant. Male marijuana plants are not desirable to any degree except for pollination. Mark Johnson says Western Farms is growing industrial hemp, which has few similarities to its cousin marijuana. He explains more on the seed they'll be marketing. Well, the genetics that we have chosen are uh, specific for industrial hemp production that are not uh, anywhere at all uh, based on on, uh, its distant cousin. And so the focus being on industrial hemp, that's part of the reason why the genetics that we chose, as well as the crossbreeding program that we're going to implement, yeah, so we feel that uh, we'll be very safe in that process. Western Farm Seed is also working in conjunction with the University of Nebraska, collaborating with the Panhandle Research and Extension Center on hemp production. Haynes says it's important for them to grow the best seed possible. We're producers ourselves, so we want to make sure that in conjunction with the university, we want to make sure, number one, that our quality is there. Everything else, our germination, our testing will all be there. Uh, another thing that we're going to do that's, that's new to the hemp industry, we're going to uh, coat the seed, similar to a sugar beet, uh, make them all the same, consistent size, uh, much easier for growers to plant with their existing equipment. Hain adds they will be able to advise growers on the equipment, such as the plates to use and vacuum. He says it can be overwhelming with a big learning curve, and Western Farm Seeds hopes to provide support in those areas. In terms of growing the crop, Johnson says a hemp crop is similar to corn or dry edible bean crops, planted by May or June and harvested after a 90 to 110 day growing period before frost. He says hemp takes less water than corn, and unlike some crops, the hemp crop can be very resilient, especially after hail. In our uh, our test plot, we did endure two different hailstorms, and the crop is very resilient and managed to uh, to recover from both hailstorms in really good fashion and ended up producing a, a nice crop with uh, in light of, of the challenges from Mother Nature. As the business gets underway, the greenhouse, which has five interconnected buildings with 21,000 square feet of growing space, is housing and growing the female plants. Johnson says as they hope to see their business grow, they are also hopeful for economic development in the area. The opportunity for other manufacturing industries to get involved from processing to harvesting Uh, transportation, there's going to be a a big impact, I think, from the local economy, not just what we're doing here at the greenhouse. 
Both Hayne and Johnson say producers should start out small with an acre or so, and of course, make sure you have a buyer before you plant. With the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chabella Guzman. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network as we talk with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. And John, looking here at the settlements, we're green on the screen, maybe not off the highs of the day, but still overall quite a bit of confidence coming to the market with a Phase 1 trade deal. Yeah, boy, I tell you what, what a day. Um, you know, last night felt somewhat certain that this thing was moving, and then there was probably a 45-minute period there right around the open this morning when everybody had second thoughts and said, oh, boy, here we go again. China hadn't committed to anything. Um, and you know, the president, who I think he broke a record yesterday for tweets, didn't mention anything. So um, the market broke and then kind of pretty much settled back to where we were last night on the open, down a couple of pennies for, for soybeans from, from the 7 o'clock hour. Uh, I guess if you're looking for a big loser, it would be a cotton market. And that's kind of a good indicator for me where we'll go here. But I think you know, a lot of these softs and, and um, outside markets have really rallied. I think it's grains turn to catch up. So we saw cattle move, and I, I expect good days ahead in the grain markets. I think corn has a couple of hurdles to get over, as the soybeans in the near term with the amount of selling that needs to clear in the market. But I think this is a tremendous help to the to the board now going forward. And I think just overall confidence in the Chinese economy too. I know we've kind of paired this as us versus them, but in the global economy, and we're all kind of pulling on the same rope to have them growing well. Um, you know, a little, with a little more confidence will only help our buyers in, in Southeast Asia as well. So all in all, I think it's a good day. I think the Chinese yuan is, is on its way back up again, and I think you'll see beans and corn uh, lead the way higher. Looking at South America, getting out some numbers from their large crusher that went bankrupt at the beginning of the month. Looks like they're going to take about 40,000 metric tons of crush daily crush offline. What does this do for U.S. crushers? It's bullish. Um, I, I think, you know, Right now, that's just going to be an overall reset of what this balance sheet's going to look like in 2020. Uh, you know, we, I'm still trying to figure out what the numbers are going to be, but even, even let's say it's 25 million per year, or 25 billion per year rather, that's, that is still enough to get this market going again. And if you're talking about 10 million metric ton purchases of, of soybeans in the next year, we need to grow more beans. That offsets the increase we're going to get in the additional acreage now. So going forward, no longer am I fearful that we're going to see carryout jump into the 700 million and plus again. I think we're going to stick around 400 million for the years ahead. And to be honest with you, we're just the South American weather rally away from $10. So uh, I look for better days ahead and I think you know this is a tremendous win for for the president you know regardless of your politics um, you know stood up to the Chinese and he got a deal and I think it's important to, to kind of feel pretty good about that it's, uh, going forward here we're gonna have some optimism and, and that's something we haven't had for a while again John Payne Daniels Ag Marketing again do remember trading futures involves risk of loss it may not be suitable for all investors learn more at DanielsAgMarketing.com And that's going to do it for Midday here on KRVN. To hear today's Midday program in its entirety, go to podcast at krvn.com, sponsored by Davini Motors. Howdy, folks. This is Rick from Davini Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and McCook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to Davini Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge.com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Davini deal.